0: all right you may be seated and good morning the message today is entitled the gracious love of god and camillo what you said up here really stood out to me it's about the souls of men and women boys and girls going from darkness to light And Jesus is going to model for us today in this passage. Camillo, he's going to model for us what it really means to be a missionary. Because he's going to minister to a man that nobody wanted to have anything to do with. So let's pray together. Father, when we think about your gracious love, and really, God, all of your attributes, we are humbled. We are amazed. God, we are convicted. God, you are great, as Emilio said, and and we are not. God, when we get a glimpse of your holiness. We really understand how sinful and wretched we are. And we really do deserve your justice, your wrath, your judgment. But then, Father, we are reminded through the pages of Scripture that you are a God who saves. You are a God who's gracious and merciful and love and loving and kind and compassionate. And God, you choose to save us wretched sinners for yourself you choose to forgive us not because we're good not because we deserve it but God because you are love and you're gracious it's about your glory and so you sent your son Jesus to rescue us from our sin and so we say thank you this morning God we praise you Even as I'm able to stand up here today, it's only, God, because of who you are. So would you speak mightily today, God? Remind us of who you are. Help us to see your love and your truth today in this passage of Scripture. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray together. Amen. Well, let's turn back to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 20 again the message is entitled the gracious love of god Mr bill i've shared this many times but i thought about our missionary friend carlos again he would always tell us god lead me to the ugly ones lead me to the people that nobody else wants to minister to and we're going to see in our passage today a man That was messed up. He was crazy. He would have been seen as a a maniac. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with this man. John 20, 30, and 31 says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, The son of God and by believing you may have life in his name and we're going to see today a man that goes from being dead in sin a man in darkness being made alive in Christ and I'm here to tell you this morning if you're here today and you're still lost in sin you're dead in sin today is the day of salvation by God's grace Through the power of Christ, you can repent of your sin and trust in Christ alone to save you. As we journey through Mark chapter 5, we won't get through all of it today, but we're going to once again see the authority of Jesus, his authority over demons, his authority over disease, and his authority over death. Why? Because he is God. He's God in flesh. And we're going to see that god is no respecter of persons we're going to see that god delivers a, a man from demons we will see god delivering a woman from disease and we will see god bringing a child back to life you see our god is a missionary god who saves a people for himself from every tribe tongue and nation man woman boy and girl that is good news For all of us today. So let's read Mark chapter 5 verses 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs in the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and they drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed. And in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to, to him, Go home to your friends Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So there's four truths I'd like for us to unpack this morning. The first truth is Jesus had a divine appointment. And when I say divine, I mean it was of God. It was from God. Jesus had a divine appointment. You see, Jesus, as I mentioned, being a missionary, he goes to unlovable places to save unlovable people. Jesus goes to an unclean place for any Jew as he's moving into Gentile country. He's going to minister to a man that's living in an unclean place of a graveyard in the tombs and also a place that was filled with pigs i mean these are all things that for any jew would have been seen as very very unclean so you need to hear me say on the front end to be a missionary is to go to unclean messy places why did jesus do that he had a divine appointment look at verse one It says they came to the other side of the sea. I want you to look back at verse 35 in chapter 4. Think back to what we learned last week of Jesus calming the storm. After all the teaching in Mark chapter 4 there in Capernaum, look at what verse 35 says. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across... To the other side, so they leave Capernaum. They go across the Sea of Galilee. They face a hurricane. Jesus calms the storm because he is God. And he goes to this other place. When you look at verse one, to the country of the Gerasenes, and the whole purpose in going to this place—don't miss this—was to save this wretched sinner. Jesus had a divine appointment. Look at verse 2. It says, Jesus steps out of the boat. Interesting, I don't know exactly why, it never mentions in this passage the disciples getting out of the boat. Did they? We don't know. Maybe they were scared for their lives because when Jesus gets out of the boat, look at what happens. Immediately, there comes to him this man out of the tombs who has an unclean spirit. And we're going to learn he doesn't just have one unclean spirit. This is a demon-possessed man that is wild. He's crazy. He's a maniac. But Jesus gets out of the boat, and this man immediately is coming towards him. So I want you to think about that. In this position, you got this crazy man that's coming towards you. There probably was good reason of why the disciples didn't want to get out of the boat. This man lived in the tombs. He lived in the graveyard. Think in that context. It's up on it. The tombs were typically in caves up on a hill. So this man is living amongst these caves where the dead people are. And he runs down towards the seashore. Look at verses 3 and 4. It says he lived amongst the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Now, we don't know, how did this man get in this condition? I mean, this, this was a man. He would have been a, a little boy at one point, And now he's a man, and he's now possessed to the point. People in society, they had tried to chain him up, trying to some way subdue him. And when you look at verse 4, he'd often been bound with shackles and with chains but he would always wrench the chains apart he broke the shackles shackles excuse me in pieces no one had the strength to subdue this guy okay think charles manson like on steroids this, this was a man that everybody would have been scared of The account in Luke even says he would run around naked. This man was a poor, lost, lonely man who was under the complete control of Satan. He was a monster. He was a maniac. He was a crazy man. Demonization is a terrible thing. I mean, I may not fully understand it, but when demons gain control over a human being, it's a terrible thing. They attack spiritually, they attack mentally, they attack physically. They promote false religions and false teachings and demon worship, the occult, gross immorality, murder, violence, etc., etc. What this man was going through, to some extent, guys, it's beyond my comprehension of the state that this man was in to be possessed by innumerable, to an extent, demons. A a legion that is going to talk about. In the Roman uh, army was like 6,000 soldiers how many demons was in this man well we don't know the exact number just says his name was the demons was legion look at verse 5 demons are always about destroying the image of God in man look at verse 5 night and day amongst the tombs and on the mountains He was crying out. That means he was shrieking. He was howling. I mean, think about that. You're you're living in this place and there's this man out there that constantly you're hearing screaming, howling. He's crying out and he's cutting himself with stones because he's in agony. He's in pain. He would have had scabs. He would have had sores. He probably was bleeding. I just hope you can see the, the mess that this man was in. He was hopeless. He was helpless. He was desperate and nothing or no one, humanly speaking, could help this man. No modern day psychology, no physical therapy, okay? No positive thinking was going to change the condition of this man. He had absolutely no hope. And maybe you're there this morning. You feel like you have no hope. Maybe your condition is not of where this man is, but whatever's going on in your life, you feel like no one cares. No one understands. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what I can do. But I want you to hear this morning Jesus had a divine appointment to save this man and he can do the same in your life today whatever it is that you're facing doug i thought about the quote that you sent out from brody this week it's just stuck with me about how god chooses us by his grace what is not good about god choosing to save us if you're here this morning and you've been saved it's god's grace It's his goodness and his his kindness. And if you're here and you're not saved, God's grace and his truth and his love is all through this passage. So we've seen this divine appointment. Let's look at the second truth of verses 6 through 13. We see that Jesus also has divine power. Why? Because I've already told you several times through the gospel of Mark. He is God. God. Okay, any religion, any teaching that tries to tell you Jesus is is not God is false. It's wrong. It's of the devil. Jesus is God. Look at verses 6 through 13. This man, these demons that have possessed this man, they see Jesus from afar, and he ran and he fell down before him. Guys, don't miss that. This was a man that nobody had been able to control or subdue, and he immediately runs to Jesus, and he falls down to worship Jesus. Why? Jesus is God. Verse 7, he cries out with a loud voice. Now, this is the, the spokesperson, so to speak, of these demons, and he says... What have you to do with me, Jesus? And look at what the the demons say here. Son of the Most High God. There's some stuff we can actually learn from demons. Even though they don't follow God, even though they're not going to submit to God, they do know who the one true God is. Why? Because God created them at the very beginning, but sadly a third the angels, the devil, Lucifer, rebelled against God and they're cast out of heaven. But they know who God is. And look at what they say in verse 7. I adjure you or I beg you by God, do not torment me. What are they getting at? Well, they knew the time was coming. When they were going to be cast into the abyss. That's what the Gospel of Luke talks about. That they knew they were going to be cast into the abyss. In the Gospel of Matthew, the same account. Are you going to torment us, Jesus, before the time? I want you to go to 2 Peter 2.4. 2 Peter 2.4. little cross reference to, to learn a little bit more about demons or fallen angels. That's really what demons are. They're fallen angels. And by the way, up until this point in the Bible, we don't see like this massive amount of fallen angels or demons from when they had fallen, a third of them, thousands upon thousands at the very beginning, after God had created them and Satan rebelled in his heart and a third of the angels go uh, with Satan. But look at Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Look at what God's word says. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. You see, they understand their place is ultimately the lake of fire. They're going to be judged by God. Some of them are already there. Some in God's sovereignty, he's allowed as far as to be a part of this world but they know that their judgment is coming and by the way at the cross these demons were disarmed the death burial and resurrection of christ satan is defeated and the consummation of that will be revelation chapter 20 when they are cast into the lake of fire forever and ever Okay, so even though demons are powerful, you need to understand this isn't like some battle of, oh, does God have more power or is it going to be the demons? No, they are under the sovereign hand of God. Remember, Satan had to ask permission before he tormented Job. He had to ask permission from God. Now we may struggle, well then why demons? Well, when we think about the reality of evil, because of evil, you know what we get to see to the fullness? The attributes of God. We see God's justice. We see God's wrath. And we see the greatness of his light. Jonathan Edwards talked about this. We get to see the beautiful, glorious gospel that delivers us from the powers of evil it's a deep thing but there is a reason and a purpose for the glory of god of why there is evil now verse eight looking at jesus's divine power go back to mark five jesus was saying to this demon or this man possessed by the demons come out of the man you unclean spirit First John 3 8 tells us one of the reasons that Jesus came was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus commands them, and they have to obey his command because he has divine power. Look at verse 9. Jesus goes on to say, Well, what is your name? And the demons reply, My name is Legion, for we are many. Again, a legion in the Roman context could have been up to 6,000. Uh soldiers. Were there six thousand demons in this man? We don't know. The text doesn't say, but he definitely had multiple, numerous demons in him. Verse 10. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Okay, they understood that there was a place prepared for them. And these demons, they were comfortable in this Gentile pagan place. They wanted to continue to be where they were at. So they are asking permission from Jesus. Hey, can you leave us here? Please don't cast us out of this country. They knew they were under the authority of Jesus. Verses 11 and 12. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside and they begged him saying send us into the pigs let us enter them so they're begging jesus we know we can't stay in this man because of who you are and you've commanded us to go out but can we go to this herd of pigs so by the way we learn in the context of this passage demons can possess humans and animals verse 13 jesus gives them permission and the unclean spirits they come out they enter the pigs and the herd numbering about two thousand. so this is a massive amount of pigs they rush down the steep bank into the sea and they're drowned in the sea now we don't know exactly what happens to the demons uh, at this point but these pigs they drown and the question we have to wrestle with why does jesus allow this why does he do this this way well here are some faults number one this whole passage shows jesus has power over the demons they have to submit to his sovereign control jesus is the creator and he has divine power number two it would have showed everyone there that the demons had indeed left this man When they see them leaving this man, going into the pigs, the pigs rush down and they die, it would have been apparent to everybody there the demons have moved from one place to the other because Jesus told them to do so. Number three, and I think this is very, very important. R.C. Sproul, as I was listening to him preach on this, he made this very clear. It would show that Jesus has more concern for humans than he does for animals. Let me say that again, because in this, this truth is not seen in American culture. Jesus has more concern for humans than he does for animals. Let me say it a different way. Human life is much, 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 much more valuable than animal life. Humans are not animals. We are people made in the image of God. Only men, women, boys, and girls are made in the image of God. Okay, I'm not hating on animals. I love dogs. Okay, animals, all that stuff. But you need to understand there is a massive distinction between people and Animals. And I want to say it this way the redemption of one human being is more important than any amount of animals or material possessions. And when you understand grace and you understand eternity and you understand heaven and you understand the reality of hell, then you would understand that what Jesus does for this man is amazing because he was going to split the pits of hell wide open. But Jesus rescues him, he saves him, and he gives him eternal life. Yes, it was at the expense of these pigs, but this man was radically saved by the grace and power of God. Sadly, in America, let's be honest, we care more about endangered species of animals than we do about babies. We do, we need to repent. Most abortions occur because babies are seen as inconveniences or financially feasible. I want to brag on my wife a little bit. I know she had to leave a little early. You know, the kids at OCA ask me all the time, Mr. Phillips, why in the world do you have seven kids that can't wrap their mind around that? You want to know why? Because they're some of my most valuable, I don't know if possessions is the right word, but gifts of God's grace. You realize our kids are much more valuable than cars, jobs, careers, houses. And you can go on and on and on. Kids are a gift from God. They are not a burden. They are not a burden. My kids are not a burden. All my kids that are here, and I'm speaking for all the the parents as well, you are not a burden to us as your parents. And if we've seen them as a burden, you know what we need to do? We need to repent. We need to ask God to forgive us think again of what Jesus does in this passage this man's life and ultimately his soul is so much more valuable to Jesus than anything else so when I think about Mandy Mandy is a hundred times smarter than I am okay if you've been around Mandy you know she's absolutely brilliant she's gifted she's a wonderful woman of God she can can do all kinds of amazing things and she does I haven't forced her to stay home with our kids okay sometimes people think that it's like somehow forcing she chooses to do that because she loves our kids it's a beautiful gift to be a mother and i understand everybody's situation is different so don't read into that more than what i'm saying i'm just saying the gift of motherhood is a wonderful thing and my wife has embraced that and i just want to say that our kids are wonderful gifts of god's grace every person just like this man who was hopeless and helpless and would have been seen as a detriment to society to jesus he wasn't he wasn't let's go to the third truth this morning we've seen the divine appointment we've seen the divine power truth number three Jesus performs a divine miracle Jesus is going to do here guys what only Jesus can do this is why we bring people to the cross at any cost because only Jesus can change the heart look at verse 14 look at the divine miracle the herdsmen fled and they told it in the city and in the country The people came to see what what it was that had happened okay They're like, something miraculous has just happened. And they begin to tell everybody. Verse 15, they came to Jesus and they saw the demon-possessed man. So they see this man. And I want you to really focus on the last part of verse 15. The one who had had, who had had the legion, no more. But look at him now. He's sitting there. This man had been running around naked crazy and now he's sitting there at the feet of jesus he's clothed and he's in his right mind only jesus could do this just like jesus calmed the storm the hurricane on the sea he calmed the storm of this man's life this man is now at peace Okay, you talk about the opposite of peace would have been whatever this man, everything going on in his life beforehand, and he now has peace. And the people were afraid. Remember when I told you last week? When you get a glimpse of the holiness and the power of God, you're going to be afraid. These people realized this was a divine miracle This was something they had no exclamation explanation for. Think about Isaiah in the Old Testament. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinful man when he was in the presence of God. Think about Peter when he was fishing and Jesus told him to cast the net on the other side and a massive amount of fish are brought in. Peter says to Jesus, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Think about the apostle John in the presence of God when he falls down like a dead man. You see, when you're in the presence of God and you get a glimpse of his holiness and you understand how sinful you are, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews ten thirty-one. Look at verse 16. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pig. So they're just going over again. This is what happened. The details of the story. Verse 17. You would think, right? Revival's going to break out. They've seen this man radically changed, saved, rescued. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. You would think they would be like, Jesus, we are sinful. We need you. Save us. Forgive us. But look at what they do. Look at what happens in verse 17. They begin to beg Jesus to depart from their region. That's like the the most sad part of the passage. Jesus, we don't want you here. Depart. We don't know all the reasons, but they loved their stuff, their possessions. They had seen their pigs die. Maybe that meant more to them. Maybe getting a glimpse of the holiness and the power of God, they realized how sinful they were. But instead of turning from their sin, they loved their sin. And they didn't want to be changed by Christ. They wanted to continue to live the way that they had always lived. And you know, another thing from this passage we need to to wrestle with and understand, no amount of signs, wonders, divine miracles as far as physical things can change the heart of man sometimes people think you know what Jesus if you would just do this or if you would just heal this person this way or if you would just do, do this then i would follow then i would believe these these people watch Jesus do something supernatural of demons going from a man to the pigs and this man is totally at peace and they don't believe why Because the only way that you'll believe this morning is when the power of God's word, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the work of his spirit exposes your dead sinful heart and God and his grace and his mercy through the power of the spirit brings you to new life in Christ. That's the divine miracle that we all need. Okay, physical signs will not do that. Healing services will not do that. Only the word of God, the power of the gospel, the power of God's spirit can bring a dead heart to life in Christ. So sadly, these people have Jesus, the savior, the Messiah. He's right there before them and they beg him to leave. Now, let's go to our last truth. Verses 18 through 20. We see that Jesus is not done There's a divine mission field given. So we've seen the divine appointment. We've seen divine power. Okay. Now we're going to see the divine mission field after the divine miracle. Look at verse 18. As he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. Now, here's the good news. As sad as it was, everything I just shared, there was one man that day that was changed by the power of Christ. And it was that demon-possessed man. He says, Jesus, please. He's begging. I just want to be with you. And who can blame this man, right? I mean, how is he going to be received back in his city? hey guys it's me everybody's got their kids and they're like uh yeah that that's that's the crazy man yeah he he, that's the guy that was out there living in the the tombs and stuff i mean you talk about having a, a hard place to to minister considering his background and his testimony it would be this guy but look at what jesus tells him camillo this is what you were getting at man you talked about being a missionary Look at verse 19. Look at what Jesus says. He does not permit him. So Jesus and his divine plans, he doesn't allow this man to come with him. But instead, here's what he tells him. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You talk about knowing if your conversion was genuine or not. Well, yeah, this man was going to know. Because to make that step of faith and obedience, to go back to the people that I'm sure they feared him, they shunned him, they probably ridiculed him in a lot of different ways, and he's now got to go back and tell them about Jesus and all of the mercy that he had been shown. You know, it's interesting. Jesus would typically tell people to be quiet after he had healed them, right? We've seen that in the Gospel of Mark. He didn't want any massive crowds, he didn't want any false. You know, assumptions about the Messiah or anything like that, following Jesus for the wrong reason. But he tells this man to go. Why? Well, number one, they had already told Jesus, we don't want you here. So this man is going to be the missionary. Okay? He's going to be the one representing Christ. And secondly, this was a Gentile pagan land. Okay? There there weren't going to be any Jewish false uh, understandings of the Messiah. So look at verse 20. Look at what this man does. He obeys. And he went away, and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Now, that word Decapolis, there were these ten cities in that region uh, that was east of the Jordan. And that's all it's getting at. So this man, we don't have all the details, but he begins to go and he begins to preach Jesus. He begins to tell everybody what Jesus had done by the way when Jesus saves you he will equip you to share the good news with other people if you got enough in you to know that you've been saved you've been born again by the grace of God then you got enough in you to tell somebody about Jesus yeah you don't have to have all the theological arguments this man wouldn't have had it all everything together but he knew who he once was who he was now He had been radically changed by the gospel. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 7, 31 and 32. A little bit later on. Mark 7, 31 and 32. Jesus leaves. He gets in the boat. He departs from that region. But in Mark 7, 31 and 32, he comes back. And look at what the text says. This is really cool. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through sidon to the sea of galilee in the region of the decapolis and they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment and they begged him to lay his hand on him now again we don't have all the details but they go from begging jesus to leave in mark chapter 5 that in mark chapter 7 after the witness of this man this demon possessed man They're begging Jesus to heal. That's pretty awesome. So I'm here to tell you this morning, our homes, our communities are divine mission fields. Divine mission fields. If God has saved you, he's equipped you to go to your family, to go to your friends, to go to your community, to go to the ends of the earth to tell people about Jesus. So in this passage, we've seen that Jesus had a divine appointment to show his divine power, to grant a divine miracle, because there was a divine mission filled. Have you surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? He can change your heart, he can change your life, just like he did this wretched poor sinner that I think we would all would have to agree his life was about as bad as you could probably think of. And when he does change you, or he has changed you go and tell the world how great jesus is and how merciful he's been to you when was the last time that you told somebody how much jesus has done for you let's pray together jesus this was an amazing passage of scripture really it speaks for itself as all your word does uh jesus only you can do what happened in this man's life you radically changed him it was your love and your grace and your mercy being shown it was your power it was your authority jesus there really shouldn't be any doubt in our mind that you're god and you're mighty to save and that we need you we're wretched sinners we've all sinned and fall short of your glory And God, it's only by your grace and the truth of your word, only by your mercy, we can be saved. So God, I pray that you would do that work in each of our hearts. And Father, help us this week to be missionaries, to tell other people about the goodness and the greatness of Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and we will praise our great God by singing together. bulletins this week, read them over and over again, so we teach you how, how to sing it, and then you can sing it at home. It's called, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. <laughs>